Welcome to the Driving Change Podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network, where we live at the intersection of neuroscience and storytelling. If you love great stories and you love understanding the mindset it takes to be a world-class change agent, then join us as our fascinating guests from all walks of life unpack their unique journeys of perseverance and passion, of expertise and experience, and be inspired to use your own story to drive change. Welcome back to the Driving Change Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Bloomfield. Um, Today, I've got a guest I think you're going to not only love, I think you're going to know her because she's somewhat famous in several circles, from Broadway to being a master communicator. Renee Marino is, is, most of us know her from her time working with our our friend Clint Eastwood on Jersey Boys and and that in the Broadway stage. She's been in many musicals. She's been featured in People's One to Watch, Variety, The Huffington Post. She's an amazing actress. Um, She's got so much passion and energy. But why I brought her on to the Driving Change podcast for you all was, in in this stage of her life, she's become a master communication coach. And I think you're going to love her take on communication. She's actually written a best-selling book called Becoming a Master Communicator, Balancing New School Technology with Old School Simplicity. That I think you're going to love. Um, she's been named by Yahoo Finance as one of the top 10 communication coaches to follow. So now you know why I brought her on because I'm always a, a student of communication. She's been helping a lot of business professionals lately. She's great. She's been on the stage with Tony Robbins. She's helped co-lead those sessions. She's uh, uh, helped Dean uh, Graziosi as well, Chaz Palminteri, Russell Brunson. I'm I'm name dropping like crazy. She doesn't need the credibility because she's the powerhouse herself. She's the co-host of their World Summit, the Tony and Dean's World Summit. She's just all over the place. I don't know where she comes up with this energy. But one of her things she says that I love, we're going to unpack is everything starts with communication. And when we learn to master the skill, we become limitless. Renee, welcome to the Driving Change Podcast. Hi, Jeff. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, it's our honor indeed. So uh, as I told you in the pre-show, everybody gets one starting question and our audience is very familiar with it. In fact, they look forward to it probably the most. And that's, tell us a little bit about the Renee Marino origin story. Give us your why. Take us back as far as you want and let the audience really get to know where you started, where you come from, and what you're all about. Well, Jeff, I grew up in a very tight-knit Italian-American family where you could often find us sitting around the table, always eating, laughing, sometimes arguing, but nonetheless communicating. And anytime I had something going on, I was upset or I was feeling an abundance of emotions, my parents would say four words to me that I never knew would impact me for the rest of my life. Let's talk about it. And that sent me on a journey to being in love with connection and communication and why people communicate in the way they do. And when I was a little girl growing up, that manifested itself in wanting to be a performer. I was a dancer from the time I was five five years old and being on Broadway was my, my greatest dream. So I worked my behind off for years and years and I made that dream happen. I've had the honor of being a part of five different Broadway shows. I toured for many years. And in 2013, I was playing the role of Mary Delgado, Frankie Valli's wife in the musical Jersey Boys on Broadway. And 
sitting 10 rows in the audience back staring at me one day uh, from the stage was the legend himself, Clint Eastwood. We got word that they were going to be doing a film version and Clint Eastwood was going to be directing. And they started calling people in from our cast to audition. And if you don't know what an audition is, it's basically an interview. They happened to be looking for someone to play my role of Mary Delgado. So my agent and I tried and tried to get me an appointment to be seen. Weeks go by. My agent calls me one day and says, Renee, I'm, I'm so sorry. They won't give you an audition for the role of Mary, but they'll give you one for one of the smaller roles, one of the angels who sings my boyfriend's back. And I remember Jeff hanging up the phone, feeling so disappointed and confused because every girl I knew on Broadway was getting an audition for Mary Delgado, but me. So I sat there for a, for a little while and felt my feelings. And then I threw my hands up and said, what am I going to do? I'm still going to go in and audition for one of the angels. And I'm in the audition room that day. And the casting director says, Renee, would you like to sing the song first or read the scene? And at that moment, I heard a quiet little voice within say, you have to do this. It feels too right. And I looked at the casting director in the eyes and I said, you know, Jeff, I was really hoping to come in and read for the role of Mary Delgado. And he looks back at me and he says, I was just thinking the same thing. And I said, great, amazing. So I do the scenes that day. I leave there so happy and grateful because I got the chance. Two weeks later, my agent calls me and says, you're Mary Delgado in the movie. Clint Eastwood loves you. And I was like, Whoa! it was one of the most surreal moments of my life. Cut to first day of filming with never being on a TV or film set before. It felt like jumping off of a cliff. But again, I heard that quiet voice within say, Renee, you know what you're doing. Trust in your talent and leap. And that first day of filming and every day that followed, I would sit and eat lunch with Mr. Clint Eastwood, ask him every question I could and listen in a complete way. And he became a mentor to me. A month into the film, I'm eating lunch once again because eating's my favorite thing to do, Jeff. And I'm sitting with Clint Eastwood, one of the producers of the film and myself when Clint and the producer start talking about how Clint knew he wanted me for the role of Mary when he saw me perform on Broadway. And I put my fork down and I said, you guys want to hear a funny story? I never got an audition for the role of Mary. The only reason I got to read the scenes is because I opened up my big mouth in the room and asked. And the two of them looked at each other and they said, well, what do you mean? We requested you. We said, we want the girl from the Broadway show to come into this audition. And I found out that day that there was a middle person Casting associate juggling a few films at once and just dropped the ball on having me come into audition. In other words, if I did not have the ability to communicate my desire in the room that day, I could have missed my once in a lifetime opportunity. And that for me was a light bulb that went off, reiterating, reminding me how everything in our lives starts with communication and how many times in our life do we miss opportunities because of a fear of speaking up, asking for what we want or communicating in an authentic way. And that's what brought me into this desire to help people with connection, communication. I began writing my book after that and, and the rest is history. Wow, what an amazing story! So I'm picturing, you know, little Renee uh, at home growing up on this table full of 
hand-waving, storytelling, Italians talking over each other, and then eventually, you know, working out their differences, but learning kind of subconsciously what happens when we say this versus that and how people interpret things versus what you really meant, the intent versus the impact. And you're absorbing all of this as you're growing up. And then you're, you're kind of building this idea that, man, I want to go and communicate for a living, but I want to do it in a way that's entertaining. So you go down the Broadway path and then you end up with this amazing story with Jersey boys. Now, one of the things you said, first of all, I felt like the whole time I kept thinking to myself, please tell me at one point, Clint Eastwood looked at you and said, Renee, do you feel lucky? Do you? <laughs> he had to, oh, didn't he? Jeff, <laughs> yes, he absolutely did. And one of the first things he did, now you have to really think about this. I've never been on a film set before and I'm starting at the top, like the top echelon, yeah. the cream of the crop, right? And I'm there for the first, to film the first scene. And if you have watched the movie, it's like me leaning on the bar and I catch eyes with Frankie. And he makes a joke. Like he says, um, the camera comes up and he says, all right, Renee, now I want you to look in the camera and say, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille, which is from a movie. And then he starts laughing and I'm like, oh man, he's awesome. And he was just so wonderful throughout the entire process. And afterwards, he is just one of the most genuine human beings I've ever met. I've heard that from multiple, multiple people. So he's what he's kind of, is he in his nineties now? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's getting up there. So, well, enough about him. I'm not interviewing him. I'm interviewing you. So let's, uh, let's continue down your story. Cause this is part that some of the things you said in there that, that struck a chord with me. Because there's, there's, there's two ways to communicate, right? Well, there's lots of ways, but there's the internal dialogue that happens all of us all the time. It's happening 24-7, or at least when we're consciously awake. And then there's external communication that happens between people, whether it's digital or, or verbal. And what I heard from you is maybe we'll unpack the, the internal dialogue first, because I feel like that's where so many people get stuck and has such a negative impact on their ability to externally communicate. And I heard you talking about all those doubts that you were having but yet somehow you were able to, that inner monologue, you were able to talk yourself into the courage required to speak up. What, what are your thoughts on that inner dialogue and where do people tend to get tripped up the most inside their own head? Especially nowadays in this digital age that we live in with so many different outlets to communicate than ever before, yet we find ourselves in many ways more disconnected than ever before. And that's because there's so much distraction And as a result, we don't take the time to do what I call, which is communicate with ourselves. Take the time to tune in with ourselves first before any other external communication and ask ourselves, how am I feeling? What's going on? And then take what I call a part of that old school simplicity way of communicating pen to paper to answer. And when we do this and we take the time to connect with ourselves before anyone else, now we have the capacity to hear that inner voice, which is the truest part of ourselves, your gut instincts, your gut intuition, whatever label you'd like to use. It's our inner compass, always guiding us with where we need to go, what we need to say and how we need to say it. But we miss it many times because we're listening to that other voice, that voice of our inner critic or that judge that's like, oh, Renee, who do you think you are to talk to Jeff today? He doesn't want to hear your story. You're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not as smart as the next person. 
we instead let that voice drive the show. And as a result, then we miss the mark on hearing that quiet voice that's always giving us the best advice and the best direction with which to go. So how do you help coach people through that? Because I, I love it. It's so true. And no matter who you are, or how successful you've been, you always have that devil and angel voice, right? You got the, the, the angel who's there, really, that, that the true inner voice that tells you who you are and how you were fearfully and wonderfully made and all the positive attributes of what you bring to the universe. And if you lean into that, you're going to find fulfillment and purpose. And then you got that other voice that's constantly trying to tell you, that person's stupid. <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. You're an idiot and you're not going to succeed if you keep doing what you're doing. H- how do you coach people how to identify those two? Vo- we all have them, right? Mm-hmm. And how do you suppress the one and elevate the other? How do you help people do that? A really fun and powerful practice that that I share with my clients is to listen to that voice that we, let's label f- just for right now, that that judge, that's always judging you. Oh, you're not good enough. Wow, wow, wow. It's always going. So often we want to either fight it. We're like, no, 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 I am good enough. Or we want to push it away and ignore it. But I invite my clients to thank it because that voice is just doing what it was designed to do as our brain, keep us safe, right? Thousands and thousands of years ago, we had to keep ourselves safe and protected from that saber toothed tiger chasing us. And we had to know when to go into fight or flight. So that brain, that mind was meant to go, okay, you better hide. You better keep safe. And now in the times we're living in, it's just gotten a little bit out of control. So what we want to do is look at that voice as a parent. Think of your parents who, when you were a little child, make sure you look both ways across the street, make sure you zipper your jacket. Don't, don't go through that door without saying thank you or please. That voice is trying to protect us protect us from embarrassing ourselves or protect us from failing. So if we start to embrace the voice instead of fight it or push it away, thank it and give it a name, man, it starts to quiet down. Like I love to, you know, when my voice acts up, I call her Judy. I'm like, okay, Judy, (laughs) I got this girlfriend. I know you're trying to keep me safe and protected, but I'm good. I'm good. And when we treat the voice in that way, like a parent with it, with a small child nurturing and caring for their little child, then that quiet starts to quiet down and we can tune in, tap into that quiet voice by doing what I mentioned before, waking up every day. Now, I mean, before you do any other connecting with others, wake up, go to the bathroom, do your business, come back to your quiet space Don't pick up your phone like we usually do and start checking into others' lives or checking your emails. When we do that, what we're showing ourselves is, oh, you don't matter. I'm going to check into other people's lives first. So instead, leave that phone on the nightstand, leave that computer on the nightstand, tell your kids, mommy needs five or 10 minutes. You can watch TV for a little bit and sit with yourself and ask yourself the one question, how am I feeling? And then take pen to paper. Don't type it on the notes app of your phone. The minute we go onto those phones, what happens? Now we're tempted. Before we know it, 45 minutes have gone by. We're on Amazon ordering new tablecloths. So put the pen to paper and allow yourself to answer. Cognitive scientist Daniel Willingham has noted students remember what they think about. And when we are writing, 
We are thinking about formulating the letter that formulates the word, that formulates the sentence. And as a result, we're locking that information into our brain, into our subconscious minds. So we're connecting with ourselves in a deep way. Really powerful. Yeah, that's really good. I think <clears throat> you bring up such a great point. And, and everybody knows, this is like the Geico commercial. Everybody knows that, Jeff. Everybody knows that the technology and the world we live in today, it seems like everywhere you turn, the external communication that's coming at you is designed specifically to keep you under the chains of Judy, <laughs> right? In, in your words, in your world, from from the media to <clears throat> to to the digital technology, everything you talked about. Can you think of any of those outlets? And I, I asked the audience this question. Can you think of any external uh, audience that's communicating to you externally that's doing so, that does so in a way to highlight the, the, the angel side of you, like the positive side of you? No, it's designed to keep you in fear. It's designed to keep you in risk mitigation mode, which then ele elevates your adrenaline, your cortisol, you're in stress mode, your brain gets flooded with the wrong neurochemistry, and you kind of stay in that cycle perpetually, right? So then Judy literally takes over, and, 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 and Judy's justifying herself as, I'm just here to protect you. And so we're going to look at the entire world through the lens of self-preservation. And then you, you never kind of, if you don't have the exercise you're talking about, where you can give Judy a voice in the morning. And then I love that analogy of just like when your kids come to you when they're young and maybe that's the first time that they ever want to go off a diving board and they won't do it. They're terrified, but you're right there. You know, you're going to catch them. You know, the big picture, you know, that everybody can swim here. You know that you're going to, they're not going to drown yet. The kid doesn't know that. So the kid is fearful that they're literally going to drown and their parent isn't going to catch them. It treating Judy like that in that scenario I love that. I've not heard that angle before. Okay, so once you've got that done and you got Judy put into the right spot in her high chair, <laughs> then then now is I've heard a lot of people talk about the shift then goes towards focusing on gratitude and focusing on some then how do you activate the other voice then to get your day going? Yeah, well, once you take the time to write, what you're doing is you're you're pulling those thoughts from your subconscious mind that we're often not aware of into your conscious mind through your hands and onto the page. And after you take those five to 10 minutes, take a few moments after that and read back what you wrote. Because what happens is many a times you are enlightened because you go, wow, I thought I was over that disagreement with my coworker, but apparently I'm not because I'm still writing about it. Mm. And this is so important because it gets us clear on what we're really dealing with in the backstage, if you will, what we're not aware of. I mean, our subconscious brain is so powerful and that's how we operate in our lives. And maybe sometimes we're, we're snapping at people and we're frustrated and we don't know why. Well, that's because we stuffed it in our subconscious mind. So through this writing process, we're able to pull it out so we can see it acknowledge it. And now it's out in the open. So if you think of, of your innermost self as, as your best friend, now you've honored your best friend because your best friend's just waiting for you to connect with them. Let's have a conversation. And by doing this writing exercise, you've honored yourself first before connecting with anyone else. So when that bedroom door opens and you're with your kids and your family and your people at work, now you're doing it from a more grounded place. And that is a game changer. And then before bed, I encourage you to do the same thing after you've had your day and 
you went through everything you went through. Ask yourself again, how am I feeling? Get those thoughts, feelings out onto the page so you can sleep with more peace. And this is an everyday practice, right? Consistency is key here because we don't just do this once and then we're like, oh, great, I'm connecting with myself. For me, just like I shared with my story, the reason I was able to hear that quiet voice of my soul is because I take the time to communicate with myself first each and every day. And to your point, Jeff, yes, I ask myself that question, then I meditate, then I do my gratitude. I take I take a lot of time to honor myself before going to the gym and then hopping on social media to post a video or to send out emails. It's so important that we ground ourselves first because as you said, this world of social media, the internet, digital technology, it's meant to keep us like, Oh, task switching every second. And then we feel like we're floating. We're not grounded. So this helps us to ground. I love that. Yeah. I'll probably paraphrase this, but I vaguely remember my papa used to say, you cannot give to someone something else that you don't first possess yourself. Um, Paraphrasing again, but that makes a lot of sense, right? If you're not, if you're not, if you're empty and you're fearful and you're drained from, from that voice, and then you go out and start communicating to your kids and your spouse and your coworkers and customers and et cetera, you're, you're pulling from a well that's tainted, (laughs) right? And so you're going to transfer a lot of that negative emotion into those other conversations inadvertently. Sounds like. Yeah. And, and what I write about in the book is, is this phrase that I, I believe is so vital for us to remember. I think everyone should write this on a post-it and put it on their mirror or anywhere they can see it every day. Self-care is not selfish. It's a must. In order to take care of those people that we love to the best of our ability, we must take care of ourselves first and foremost. Because as you just shared, we can't give what we don't have. And we have to make sure that we are fulfilled. We are in in a place of, of feeling grounded before we then invest in others. Yep. Makes perfect sense. Now, once we've done all that work, let's talk about some practical communication elements now that we are able to start to take that and invest it now in others. So externally. So we did the, we did the inner work, by the way, we're doing like, you know, 10 years of research in your life's experiences and your coaching program on inter, inner monologue. And we just boil it down into like 15 minutes. So we'll give people resources later on how to go deeper on that. So let's just say we solved that. Let's figure out now, let's go now externally. Now we are able to go out. Uh, let's first talk about what, uh, what, you know, let's, let's go the Judy route again. I love this. We're talking about Judy is what are the negative communication elements that you see most frequently demonstrated in your clients when they come and say, I'm constantly in conflict or I'm constantly having this problem or with this person. What are some of those communication habits that are tripping people up when they go to communicate externally? Let's assume they have done some of the inner work. So we know we got to start there. What's, what's some tips that you see that really trip people up from an external communication standpoint? I'm going to give you two. The first one is that which I call keyboard confidence. Again, we are in this, this day and age of this beautiful gift of technology. And I'm taking nothing away from it. It is, we can run the world. I mean, you and I are able to have this conversation thanks to technology. But if we don't know how to balance it with that old school simplicity, this is where problems arise. And one place I see it 
is in keyboard confidence. And that is that raw, unfiltered confidence that only happens when behind a screen and typing on a keyboard. Let me give you an example. You go on to LinkedIn or Facebook and you see a friend of yours on a deep level that you're very close to post something and you think to yourself, who wrote that? And what have they done with my friend? Because I know they would never have the confidence to say that in person. This is keyboard confidence. And if we want to be the best communicators that we can be, so we have the best that life has to offer, we must step away from keyboard confidence and into all around confidence. And in order to do that, we must be the same person we are face to face the same person who shows up through our emails, the same person who shows up online, because then we're stepping into our authenticity. And only from that authentic place can we create the genuine connections that lead to the impact and the income. In the book, I, I say it's very much like the Wizard of Oz. In the legendary movie, Dorothy and her friends go to the land of Oz to, to meet the great and powerful wizard, and when they first arrive, it's this huge persona, this big face, and there's mask, there's there's smoke, and there's fire, and his voice is very intimidating, and they're all so afraid, they're shaking in their boots. And then Toto pulls back the curtain to reveal the real wizard, and we see him for what Dorothy refers to him as the insecure humbug. And out walks this man of a completely different stature than the face we saw two minutes prior, and he's a bit smaller and, and very meek and shy, but isn't it, isn't it ironic that only from his authentic self, when that mask was removed, could he help Dorothy and her friends? And the same holds true for us. We're using these screens as our digital masks to hide behind, and we must step into who we are and make sure that when we send out an email, or a text message or post on social media that we are doing it from that authentic place. And uh, two questions that I have my clients ask themselves is number one, would I be comfortable saying this in person? If the answer is yes, great. Text away, send the email. If the answer is no, rewrite it the way you would be comfortable saying it in person. And number two, because our brains have begun to speed up because we're so used to task switching from all the technology, we oftentimes send out those emails and that communication before we've had time to think it over. And then what happens? We read an email back that we send and we go, uh-oh, that does not sound how I intended it. So before you press send on that email, on that text message, uh, before you post, ask yourself, does this message match me and my intention? Does this message match me and my intention? And if the answer is yes, great, send away. If the answer is no, rewrite it in the way that does match your intention. That way you are always operating from your authentic self. So that's the first one is I see a lot of people hide behind the masks of our screens. And number two, being what I call uh, a complete listener is something of a lost art nowadays. You and I can turn on any news channel on any network at any time of day and see a lot of people talking over each other, talking at each other, but never talking with each other. 
And this, I believe, is what causes us the most problems in our relationships because we're not listening in a complete way to hear and not just respond. Yeah, that's a, what's a great Stephen Covey said that most people listen with the intent to respond versus understand. Yeah, And I think that there's a lot of reasons why people do that. We all fall prey to it to some degree. And even as a, as a host right now, right, you're answering a question. I'm trying so hard to just listen to your answer and not think of the next two questions that I want to ask you. And I think if we started to think about everyday conversations that we have with people, how often are we listening where we're really trying to formulate our next response, our next sentence, our next idea versus just being very present. And we all know, we can think of that person in our life. We all have people in our lives that when you talk to them, it it's so odd to us when we find someone who's so engrossed in listening to us that we start to get uncomfortable because they're such a good listener. Like they don't really want to, they don't have a lot to offer you back. They just want to hear more like so they can understand it. And it almost feels awkward, right? Because we've gone so far to the other extreme as communicators. Um, it's such a good, so those two, those two are, are great tips. Um, one of the things that you were saying that I'm guilty of is sometimes when I, my team would probably, someone will say amen in the background is sometimes that, that was the tone I was trying to, that was my intent. Like I, I reread it back and I'm like, well, I didn't want, I didn't want the impact, but this certainly was the emotion I felt when I wrote it. And I think that's the other side of it, which tells me what I'm hearing you say is, yeah, then you probably need to do some more inner work. <laughs> right. So go back to the inner dialogue part. Yeah. And what this practice does, just taking a, a second or two, it adds space between the action of the writing and, and the communicating through technology and the, the chance to take a moment and pause, right? It gives you the space to then decide. If you read what you wrote and you say, no, I want that to come across in that way. Well, great. Because that's what I mean about being your authentic self. If right. that's what right. you are choosing in the moment, great. But you still want to take that pause to ask yourself, is this what I want to share? Because what we write is a representation of us. Yeah, that's good. And yeah, people good. forget that sometimes because we're moving so fast. I give a funny example. This happened to me a few weeks ago. I intended to text my friend, I love you, you're an angel. And I text it and I send it really quickly and I go about doing 47 other things like you do. And I come back a half hour later and I look at the response and it was like question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> and I'm like, what does that mean? And I look back at what I wrote and it said, I love you. You're a bagel. <laughs> <laughs> like this is a funny example, but how many times have you had to well, back up, rewind, apologize maybe because uh, you miss misread something and then you wrote back too fast and it didn't it didn't read the way that you intended. So all this does is gives us a pause just like with listening in a complete way. It's a two-way gift. When you listen in a complete way, you gain the gift of learning something new, gaining a new perspective or what I think is most beautiful, realizing we are more alike than we are different. And you give the other person a open platform to be heard. And all we want as human beings is to be seen, heard, and understood. And when we are amongst those people who listen in that way, you're right. It can feel uncomfortable because it's so rare. But on the same token, it feels so good because it's 
it's a sign of respect and honor. Like, wow, they're really in, they're really listening. They really care what I have to say. And think about that from a business perspective. When you are with a potential client or a coworker and you are listening to them in a complete way, after you ask them their origin story and they feel that energy of you listening in a complete way, do you think they're going to want to work with you? Do you think they're going to want to stay in your inner circle? You bet they are. Yeah. No, that's really good. And for a second there, I thought you were going down a path where you're going to start coaching us how to do breakfast uh, affirmations on how to affirm the breakfast before you eat the bagel. But <laughs> I can see that you were in a different direction with it, but I was listening actively to that. No, I think your point you're making is so good. And we coach a lot of, of our clients in on the sales conversation side of it. And it is really one of the biggest pitfalls. And it's the same thing on the coaching side of it, right? If I have a responsibility of coaching 10 people on my team, it's the exact same pitfall is I am, I am, I have an agenda. I'm on my agenda. I need you to understand my agenda. So I'm going to communicate with information that I believe will help you understand my agenda. Now, if you ask us if that's what we're doing, we will always say, no, no, I'm trying to help this person. I'm trying to help this customer understand I can solve their problem. I'm trying to help this employee understand I can help them have higher performance. But then when we observe the way that we communicate in both those scenarios, you would never know that, right? Because we're communicating almost a one-way agenda in the way that it, that it feels. Um, so I, I love that. I love that. Pers- pers- that's one of the questions. I'm curious what you, your thoughts are on this. We ask our clients a lot this question. If I listen to you for 10 minutes who would I say's agenda are you on? And how does that, when you hear it, so whose agenda are you on based on how you're interacting with another person? If I said that to you, how would that apply into some of the coaching work you do when you see your, your students learn how to communicate more effectively? Is that whose agenda are you on? Whose perspective are you taking? Is it yours? Do you have a way of helping people understand that the way they communicate will be interpreted emotionally and directly through the lens of whose agenda do I think this person's really on? Mm -hmm. Well, what I talk about a lot in connection with this is that we are all so attached to our labels and whatever those labels may be, uh, political, religious, cultural, whatever, whatever they are. And oftentimes what happens is the disconnect from listening occurs when I'm talking to you, Jeff, and I'm listening to you and you say something that I recognize as a difference of opinion or label. And then what do I do? I cut you, I cut off from listening or I jump in to respond to my opinion with, with my opinions or thoughts. And this is why we see the great divide in the world we do today because of this, this identifying with whatever label that is, instead of saying, okay, I'm going to give you this space and grace to speak and be heard. And I'm going to do what I can to sit back I have a, a whole list of, of steps that I give to, to my clients to listen in this way to make sure that they are being active and they are listening to hear and not just to respond. I'm not sure if that answers your question. Um, but no, it that's, does. That's, it does because yeah. helping people do things intentionally versus just trying to do things intuitively is the only way to get them to be consistent, right? As we say that all the time, and most people do things right intuitively some of the time, but m- not all the time. So, cause they don't have an intentional way of like you're talking about with tools, by the way, do you, I don't know if you know, 
um, the Lachey's or not. So we, we interviewed the Drew and Leah Lachey, um, you know, Nick and Nick Lachey, 98 degrees. Yeah, and Drew Lachey. Of they just released a, they, they were going through, it's a, it's a Broadway. I think it's they're trying to get it to Broadway now. It's, it's it was local here called Labelous. It's amazing. Like it's a, wow. it's a, it's a play that talks exactly about in our culture, what you're talking about. So not to take an aside, but I know Broadway and then the, the common theme between you and, and them. We should connect for sure. We should connect because that's, I mean, so much of, of what I teach and what I talk about in the book and, and in my training. You would love them if you don't know them personally. We'll make that connection after the show. So yeah, um, that'd one, be great. one of the things that I love your passion about is th- this idea of taking people. So you have this term called the, the communication phobic. And I think I know kind of where you're going, but I want you to unpack it for the audience. So what does it mean to be a communication phobic? Communication phobic. This began when my beautiful client, Rachel, was going through my Becoming a Master Communicator group coaching program. She likes to say that she grew up in a family that was communication phobic. And when she said this, Jeff, I, I just burst out like with joy, I said, that is an amazing description of a quality that so many of us understand, which is that type of person or people who avoid any sort of communication beyond a surface level. Will, she said her, my family would talk about the weather and getting milk at the store, but anytime something was serious or emotions or feelings, nope, it was avoided. And as a result, this caused her so many problems in her life because she took on that that pattern of avoiding any type of important communication. And this is something I see so often when someone comes to me with, even a friend, with a situation where they're uncomfortable or they want to say something or ask for what they want. And, and I'll say, well, did you talk about it? Did you say what you wanted to say? And they say, I'm not a confrontational person. And I'm here to tell you all right now that communication does not mean confrontation. And by believing they're one and the same, we're denying ourselves these beautiful opportunities for connection because we're thinking if we speak up or we talk about these things that are beyond a surface level, that that means we're being confrontational. It doesn't. Speaking up in our lives is our superpower. And so often we are, you know, replacing speaking up with typing up because of this fear of being confrontational. So that is communication phobic. And I'm sure so many of the listeners can identify with that. You may say, yeah, I, I'm, I'm someone who tends to avoid. I'm, I'm a person who just sits back. I listen, but I don't share. Um, you know, you may fall into that communication phobic genre. <laughs> so let me summarize what you just said there, because I love this as well. So if your communication tends to lead to confrontation, then you're doing it wrong. Yes. Because yeah. something's amiss. And I think what I can hear some people on one side of it saying, well, I avoid it because I just I want to avoid any type of confrontation or conflict. But it's not me that, that drives that. It's always the other person. And I just don't want to bring that up in them. And then there's other people that say, every time I do this, it always leads to confrontation because I'm just a, I, I'm an emotional person. And I'm an expressive person. And I, so either way, right, there's something, there's junk in the brain trunk, as I call it. And either, yes. in either case that's causing you to miss out on so much richness in your relationships because of a fear of, of not engaging. That's what I'm hearing. Yes. 
And speaking up is what allows us to seize opportunities. Again, going back to my story that I began with, if I did not speak up in the room that day, I could have changed the whole trajectory of my life. I could have been sitting in the movie theater watching Jersey Boys instead of on the screen in Jersey Boys, never knowing Clint Eastwood was waiting for me to walk through that door. So I invite all of the listeners to ask themselves, how many opportunities have you missed out on in your life because of a fear of speaking up? because you were afraid to rock the boat, because you consider yourself an introvert. I'm going to guess one or many, because we all have. And that's why it's so important to learn this skill of speaking up with love and grace. Do you think there's a difference um, between, I know we're, gosh, this is going so fast. Um, And maybe we can end on this and kind of go down to where we can get some more help from you um, post-show. Do you think there's a difference between speaking up and speaking out? I would keep, I would say it's all speaking up. Okay. It's all speaking up. It's using your voice to either share your opinion or your thoughts, using your voice to ask a question or using your voice to ask for what you want. And, and when I said ask a question, I mean, or address something that maybe is bothering you address something that you're uncomfortable with. Either way you look at it, speaking up or speaking out, it's using your voice to get a result. And it's, it's so, so important that we get comfortable in this space because if not, we can all get swallowed up whole and we can go down paths in our life and our businesses that we don't want or we're not prepared for because we didn't first communicate with ourselves, tune in, tap into that quiet voice of our souls to really know what we want. And then we didn't take the next step of using our voice to speak up about it. So many missed opportunities in our lives have come from so many people that I know and personally, probably myself, where we just didn't have the courage to speak up at the right time with the right the right thing to say. It wasn't just self-serving, right? It was about a bigger picture. So, but sometimes it is okay to speak up about something that is is a little bit self-serving because it's, you know, at the end that you're supposed to do it. It just needs to be said and it's going to help make the situation better. Even if the short run doesn't always look like it will in the moment. And so I encourage the audience to think about how many times in your life, even on a day-to-day basis. And I, 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 there's so many opportunities that, that we, we limit ourselves by fear Fear of fill in the blank. Well, I don't speak up because fill in the blank. And if you did enough of those fill in the blank exercises, I bet you could work backwards through some of Renee's um, ideas and content to start to change the trajectory of the opportunities in your life. So this has been amazing. I feel like we're going to have you back on because we didn't get into virtual communication at all. I wanted to get into some of that. So many other areas we need to talk about. But where can folks go today to learn more about you, your coaching, your resources, where can we go and learn more? Yeah, head to reneemarino.com, R-E-N-E-E-M-A-R-I-N-O.com. And you can read up about me. You can download some of my free resources. And I I would love for you to, to join our community. It's a beautiful community of people who are all looking to get better at communication because as Jeff shared, which is what I believe more than anything, everything starts with communication. And when we learn to master this skill, we become limitless.
So go grab, at least follow her on social, go to her website. So her Instagram is I, I am Renee Marino, go to LinkedIn, Renee Marino, coach Renee Marino on Facebook. Like there's a million places to find her. She's everywhere. And go get her book. I'm telling you, go get her book. You're going to love it. Uh, Becoming a Master Communicator, Balancing New School Technology with Old School Simplicity. And I will tell you, for those who are just listening and not watching this episode, I am communicating with her virtually, only shoulders up. And as an Italian who's an amazing storyteller, I've only seen her hands twice. (laughs) So she's living something with this idea. My hands have been all over the place and I've barely seen her. Who's the real Italian here, Renee? Yeah, right? What's going on here? Well, it was an honor to have you on, and I'd love to have you back on in the fall to talk about what you're working on next and continue this dialogue and help our audience learn more from you, if that's okay. I would love that. I would love it. This was really great. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome. Have a great week. You too. How much do you understand the future of finance. I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast, Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.